I uh, would first uh, like to ask a question from the ground Malmö, uh, who is asking, do you think, and I, I think it was aimed at you actually, but you, you, can, you could all reflect on this, do you think that there's any risk in the kind of uh, social experiment slash prank journalism that, that Uba, that you're in, engaging in, in from the sort of wider perspective of fake news? Are you contributing to a problem? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the golden age. Because it's going to stop soon. If I can, if I can, if I can do that, then and I'm an idiot, then anyone can basically do anything at the moment. But they'll regulate. They'll find a way of regulating it. I'll be, I'll be out of a job soon. Will they it. find a way of regulating it? Um, for me, I don't, they, we. I, don't, I don't feel like a kind of. Uh, I don't know. I, I have. I, I, I struggle with the question of regulation because I think the question of regulation would basically be forced to outlaw, uh, outlaw most many things that are considered to be best business practices today. So, for example, the question of all the weird stuff I showed on YouTube, <laughs> try moderating that. Try kind of controlling that in some way without essentially breaking the entire business model of the Internet. Um, these companies, the ones that do this officially, I think the pranks are fine because the, the pranks being done by some of these companies are way worse. They employ like ethicists and moralists, and uh, no, probably not moralists, I don't think that's a job title, <laughs> certainly ethicists, to like, vet the stuff they're doing. But you can bet those guys aren't paid nearly as much as the people in the marketing department. Right? And when the business case for the thing outweighs any kind of ethical questions, when those things are actually completely in conflict, I think we know who's going to win there. That's better than yeah. what I said. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. I said, I agree. I, <laughs> I retweet that. I, I mean, the, I, think, I think there is like a, it's, it's funny when you get things that are conceptual, but real enough that people believe it, because then, I mean, you're always going to have this problem that someone actually believes that it's real. And especially when you have conceptual I mean, you want to show, oh, this could be a future, but I'm doing it because you don't, I don't want you to do it. Then maybe someone is going to, oh, cool, that's a cool idea. And, you know, and, but you can't. It's like, I kind of was thinking about this. There has been a lot of discussion sometimes about what is the role of, for instance, fiction and inside companies. And, mm -hmm. and then, you know, you're going to have to, you know, it's also about how do you regulate fiction? You say, well, actually, this is, fake, I mean, I, I, it's kind of like a, I mean, I'm doing it because I don't want you to do it. You know, how do you make that label? Like, you know, every time I make a video or like a movie, I have to say, well, actually, this is, no, I don't, it's like a, you know, how, how the fuck do you do that? You know, it's like, it's impossible. Language breaks down, so we can't even do disclaimers, basically, anymore. Yeah. I think, uh, think that's so, yeah. there's a really good example of this, though, where a couple, like only six months ago, the video, a video leaked out of Google. Google has in-house oh, yeah. like futurist people making kind of design fiction right inside the building, um, and they made one of these kind of dystopian videos of like how horrific the future would be, right? And it leaked, and everyone was like, "Well, we've got Google's secret plan," right? And then Google had to come out, "No, no, that was fiction, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally fiction, not doing that." And I believe them. Right, because because design fiction people work at Google, but you also know there's a startup somewhere who's gone. Yeah, well, we could probably make it work instead if they're not going to. <laughs> right, and I do think there's not in the pranking side, but in some of the design fictional stuff, there's a, yeah. there's there are responsibilities to the future fictions one creates. I've had like loads and loads of people want me to come and market for them, mm -hmm. and I'm like, no, I'm a liar. <laughs> I literally just lie. That's what I do. And like, would, I shouldn't be able to do this. I, like, no, no, we don't care. Just do it. Like, I, I think I a lot of their marketers are also liars. Yeah, yeah, probably. But I had like a, a big restaurant chain in Dubai who were like, can you make us the top one in us? Oh my God. So yeah, that, that, yeah. Sorry. So I'm 40 years old. I'm, I think they call it the Zenial. It means I was a kid in the 80s. 
So I'm very comfortable with like hyper-commercialization of media and the public, and public space. And I'm, I'm very comfortable with MTV editing, which seriously, a lot of people were very worried about would ruin the world and our brains. And then I also got online early enough to have basically zero discomfort with tech or these kinds of, of fluidities. But this is different. Like the, the situation we're in now, the, the breakdown of reality, is it just that I'm middle-aged now? Or is it, in fact, so that there is a threat level that, level that is completely different to, like, MTV will ruin our kids? This is democracy breaking, right? Like, this is our society is collapsing, right? Or am I just being middle-aged? <laughs> I, I have just written a book, sorry to punt it. It's called The New Dark Age. So you can imagine it's not exactly the kind of cheeriest painting of, of what is occurring. Um, I think there's two things. I think it's really important to disassociate this with some kind of question of, of like age and worry uh, in terms of that, because um, it's not a matter of like, you know, old people being worried about stuff. Um, any of us at any age trying to like see that that's like not fitting in or, or, or thinking this is worse than it was because it used to be better. Uh, I don't think that's the case at all. Like what's, what's, what's occurring is genuinely a kind of acceleration of these technologies into places that they simply haven't had access to. The important factor of that is like it's a fight. Um, I mean that really seriously. Like it's not inevitable. Um, what, what is occurring is, 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 is a hostile action uh, if, in many directions, whether it's kind of politically from the right or whether it's, or it's kind of unfettered capitalism. Uh, these are things that are using these tools that we've built against us in really powerful ways. The head of Netflix said a few months ago, right? He was asked what Netflix's biggest competitor was. He said sleep, right? And he wasn't joking, right? He has a multi-billion company that is designed to hack your brain to stop you going to sleep. This is the, this is the domain... We're, we're at war on now, and I, I mean that kind of very seriously. Thank so. you for fighting the good fight, all of you. I'd ask you to, to stick around while I give some real information, which is the following. First, uh, the, the warning warning is this. In the, at the end of the next session, after the keynote, we will have uh, an awesome surprise. Uh, but the awesome surprise will involve strobe lights. So if one of you can't handle strobe lights, I will remind you again at the end of the keynote, and if you're seated close to the door, you can leave then without missing the keynote. Second, we now have a snack break, which will also involve beer. However, you're not allowed, we and none of us are allowed, to take the beer outside the building, not even outside onto the balcony. So beer inside, but you can still go out and breathe, of course, as long as you do not bring your beer there. If you have a special diet, your special diet snack is on level two. The final keynote is in 30 minutes. Please give an enormous hand to Simone Rebaudengo, James Bridal, and Uma Butler.